Hi, this is Fans Corner. I'm Falayolu Shego, and I have with me today two amazing Manchester United fans, Afeli and Samuel. Guys, it's good to have you here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So, how are you guys? This transfer window has closed. How are you guys coping? How are you guys enjoying your your new squad? Uh, it's exciting, really, because the transfer window was an uh, intense one in the sense that you know before we got the players we wanted. At the, on deadline day, it was kind of really hard for us, but we really had to pull out the move thanks to that. And um, even to the outgoings that we had, you know, it was kind of somehow we couldn't get some players out. We couldn't, do, you know, the transfer we just transfer we do, you know, for Manchester United, it's always been the same story all over and over again. I think we just, it's, it's just a, a, a step to take for us when it comes to transfer window. Well, I, for me, the transfer window is um, quite bittersweet. It was sweet in the sense that um, we were able to get some of our prime targets, but not being able to sell players, the ones we don't need, it is a big concern, and that has been consistent for a while. So, mm. so as our tradition of first corner, whenever we have guests from different clubs, we usually ask, what year did you um, start supporting your club, and which player made you? Because for most football fans, there's always that particular player that you watch and you like, and then you say, okay, let me support the club. So, what did you start supporting Manchester United and which player made you to start supporting them? Yeah, I started supporting Manchester United in 2007. And the player that made me love football in general, not to say just Manchester United, is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano. Yeah. Okay, I started supporting Manchester United about 1996, when we, we used to watch um, the European League, the English um, League on TV on weekends. And um, the player that really caught the high was um, David Beckham. David Beckham. Okay, bend it like Beckham. Mm. So quickly, let's go into the main business of the day, looking at the issues concerning Manchester United, the transfers, and general tactical discussion. So firstly, you can't talk about any other thing first in Manchester United at the moment without addressing the ownership issue. It's a really big issue, running over close to a year, of more than a year at the moment. What's going on? We have, I know, based on current reports, we have two prime bidders the Sheikh Jassim from uh, Qatar and then you have Sajim Ratcliffe the English billionaire so what's going on with that whole issue I think um, with the ownership issue I believe um, Manchester United have not been fair to themselves and even fair to the fans because um, they've been radio silent for a while and we can't even really tell. Today you hear on the news it's um, Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Tomorrow you hear it's the Qataris. And then we just wonder, are the Glazers really serious? I think they are not holding Manchester United. They don't see Manchester United as a very serious entity with the way they run the club. They, they just believe they could do whatever they want. Today it's on the market. And then a good bid comes and we can't even hear anything. No feedback, nothing. And it just looks as if um, the club doesn't know where it's heading to or where it is at the moment. So, for me, the ownership issue is, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's a sad time to be a Manchester United fan, considering the ownership situation. Because we've had issues, we know, where we, we already thought the, the club would be sold. And the next thing, you're hearing another thing that they are still going to up the bid again to add more money to it. For me, the I think the players don't want to sell the club because they know they're fishing, they're making money out of the out of the club, they are just you know they don't they don't add value to it. They are not doing anything to support the club. They're not doing it. They just what they're just removing money from it. So I feel like the 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 Glazers they just want to you know suck the club. That's what they've been doing. That's what they just want to suck the club. That's what they've been doing. So for me, it's something that is really annoying as a fan and really irritating. Because for you to be a, a owner, you check other owners. They do what they, they you see the works they do into the club. But for the Blazers, it's, it's, it's not something to talk, up, talk, talk, talk about. So I feel it's, it's just something I do. Even when I hear the name Blazers, it's annoying, it annoys me. <laughs> Seriously, it does. Because we know who the fans want to buy the club. Then the, the person, you are putting out a bid, and a, a bid that is bringing in money, the money you want. And the next thing you want to do is to increase the bid again. You know, okay, so talking doing. about the money, I think, first of all, we had reports that the... Um, the bid, the amount they wanted for the club was at 1.6 billion pounds. Yeah. Later, we had reports that they wanted 8 billion pounds. And now, just recently, 
a new report came out that they will not be selling the club because they wanted we don't know how true that report is but it's from the daily mail that they will not be selling the club until they receive a bid of 10 billion so as much as United fans how do you feel hearing such like they are shifting the goalposts so how do you guys feel that is why i said the glazers are not being sincere to us what do they really want at the initials, they said they were looking at investors or even to sell the club 100%. Okay? So, Jim Ratcliffe has um, brought them his bid. He would buy 51%. And that means you still have 49% ownership. It's a good bid for them. Yeah. A club you bought for 700 million uh, pounds. And then the Qataris came and said, okay, take it or leave it. 5 billion naira. Now, looking at it, this is a club you have not invested any of your home money based on reports. Mm. You keep drawing out of it. And for someone to tell you, hey, this is 5 million bucks, I think you should just take it and let it go. What I think they are just trying to do is um, a situation whereby they want to eat their cake and also have it. Mm -hmm. They are looking at, okay, Manchester United is profitable for you to have been able to withdraw taking about 800 and something million from the club. Um, I think the club is marketable. So they are kind of confused. If we sell then we, we are losing a lot of investment. And then if we keep part of the ownership, we won't be in control of um, the club that was once has. So I, I and, and then it then also gives us an insight about what is happening within the Glazer family. Because there are times yeah. you hear reports that um, some, some of the Glazer family wants to sell and then some of them don't want them to sell. So they are not just being sincere. They are not just being sincere. And like, like um, Afeli said, it's quite awful. Because Manchester United fans are actually looking towards um, they selling the club so that we could know that the club is heading in the right direction. Fans have been complaining of leaky roofs when there, are, when there is rain at Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They say the toilet facilities are bad and they bad, are not yeah. upgraded. Even the training facilities are bad. Do they have any plan to do that? No. But we have people who are ready to invest. The Qatari investment is um, something that is a Manchester United-centric bid because it's not just saying i will buy they are saying we will pay up your debt and then we are going to revamp the team even if it's possible we build a new stadium so for if the glazer actually love the club i think they will just sell to the qataris or sell to whoever it is and i feel it you see this matter i, I this glazer's people <laughs> the glazers i i this, 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 this the level of annoyance i feel for this family let me just because there are people too, so let me let me not say that. But they've done things that you look at and see that there's no love for the club and this family. Yeah, like uh, someone said, we, the fans, we know what we want. We know what is best for the club. And they also know what is best for the club. They're just not doing it. Because where you, why would they have a club whereby... When, when Cristiano, Cristiano said the thing about the club, when he did the interview, we were all like into him. Most fans were like, why would you go out and expose the club? But when it all came back, it, it came about and the thing where he said was what was true. You don't have, you cannot be a owner and not invest in the club. But why is to keep, you know, bringing that money, fishing that money from the club? Okay, so talking about investments, because that's a very good point. Gary never recently made a statement about the fact that after the report came out from Daily Mail that they were not going to sell until they received 10 billion. He said he doesn't believe the report because I'm looking at Manchester United transfer, which we are going to go to very soon. It got to a point where it was as if there's no money again. Like if the club is broke, and I think also happened in the general transfer window where you ended up bringing in players on loan. Alone, I think yeah. last, on the deadline day, you brought in three players, but two of them were alone. So is the club broke? <laughs> the club is broke. The club is broke, and you also have stingy owners. You know, they are, they are, those are two things. There are, there are times whereby Abramovich, when he was the owner of yeah. Chelsea, bought out money from his own pocket to buy players. Yeah. Yeah. One billion plus. To yeah. Exercise. So the club, the club is broke and you also have stingy owners whereby they don't even care if the club grows or not as long as they are getting the money they want from the club. So you, you, that's, how, that's how I see it. They don't care. They know, you don't consign them. Okay, so now, as I said earlier, two primary bidders that we are, that are known to the public, Sheikh Jassim and Sergeant Miraclef, as individuals, Manchester United fans, individuals, if you were to choose between those two bidders, with the different proposals they've brought forward, who would you choose and why? Um, uh, it's, that, that's a very simple question. 
Okay. I'll go for Qatari. Why? Because like, like anything Qatari touch it turns to good. You understand? Yeah. Anything they touch turns to good. And okay. for me, that's Jim Jim Radcliffe. I'll be watching the goal and that, that guy. Yeah? Mm. That guy will be Manchester and Defan. Because if you first be Manchester and Defan, you know you go for command for that bid. Because you you say, as in how would you be a Manchester and fan and you are you want to you see someone that wants to do better, even though you want to buy the club, truly, genuinely you want to buy the club. Then you see someone who has much more ambition for the club more than you are. You want to, as it, as you do what you let the love of the club what one over let it be what win over what the investment so you leave the club for the one for the person I I even think it's part of it's part of the reasons why the Glazers didn't sell the club uh, the club to the Qatari last um during this year because he was just in contention with the Qataris. Bro, I um I want to also look at it in two perspective. Sir Jim Ratcliffe, I think he holds a club in um France, um OGC Nice. Yeah. So you ask yourself, where is Nice at the moment? Mm. If he has all those billions, you would see that the club is still an average club. So if this man yeah. gets Manchester United, he will probably turn into a average club, just mm. like the one he has at the moment. Mm. But the Qataris have a track record of success. They've done it with Manchester City. They've done it with PSG. And, um, you know, like he said, whatever their hand touches, it turns to gold. Turns to gold. We understand that when they come in, they will bring in investments. Qataris don't know how to do things in the simple way. They want to go all out. And um, this is what Manchester United needs. People that will be able to go all out, spend this money, bring in projects that will grow the, the club. Okay, so um, that's very good about your choice. So both of you are now going for the Qataris. Yeah. Yes. Okay, the Qataris. So all the way. Now 100% Qataris. Okay, so let, let me ask this question. Do you think the Glazers are going to end up selling the club? I mean, I don't know what their mind do. Because, but as the, the way it seems, those people don't want to sell. Because we hear of constant protests from fans, every time protests, even the legends, a lot like the likes of Guy Neville, keep eating home that they should sell the club. Do you think they will that, fall under the pressure? I, I believe uh, they would sell at some point. They will sell at some is point. It's going to be very soon. Do you think it's going to be very soon? It, it might be soon. It might not be soon. But they will sell because um, if you look at it, the the fans have done it before. There was a time when we were to play Liverpool, they protested, and the game was cancelled. I believe if it gets to a point whereby the fans can't have it anymore, then you would see massive um protests during games and um uh, like um uh, like um someone said, the fans owes the power to determine whether they sell or not, in the sense that they protested against Liverpool, right? The match against Liverpool. And uh, the match was what postponed. I said the times to that number. You know, having my discussions with um, some matches and other fans, you know, we were just talking. I said that the fans can do it in the sense that don't go to matches. They don't know that they have lost the fans. If they know that they have lost the fans, they will not have any other choice than to go to sell the club. But, but you know, when, you, when, you keep, when you keep paying for membership and um, this thing, you see sign up on the TV, this thing, and you know, they, they still feel like, oh, they are just protesting. They're making the money. So the focus money. is like maybe focus, because yeah. even most of their money they've made them before the season started. So okay, another question on the Glazers. Last question on the Glazers because we have many other things to discuss. Do you think the statement that the Glazers made that they, when they decided they wanted to make a statement that they are looking for further investments? Do you think it was like kind of like a trick, a scam? Because you know, that, that time coincided with the Cristiano Ronaldo's interview with mm. uh, with. Uh, Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan, Morgan. Thank yeah. you, Piers Morgan. So, do you think it's like a scam? Just like let's just put it out to calm the effect of Cristiano Ronaldo's interview. Uh, see, yeah, these people don't want to say. What did they say? They, 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 they have the sense and they know what they want to do from the beginning. Like, I think I'm not sticking in that direction of what you're saying now. I think it's even part of it to calm, you know, the whole saga. I think they did part of part of it to, to, to just kind of saga because they don't have intention to sell. If they had intention to sell, even people who won't buy things will be passing. We say the money costs past Manchester United safe. They don't buy things. They don't take and reach one month. They don't buy. So how much are we just? How much are we talking about here? We're talking about ten billion. Like let's just say ten billion because that's what that's amount they're reasoning to. So let's just say ten billion. You are you are seeing you know going forth and going back and doing this and doing that. So I don't know the stress about they they don't want to sell the club. That's just it. Okay, so moving on to other discussions, irrespective of the situation of the ownership, they've been able to at least drop some money for you guys to sign players. And notably, you guys made 
a number of signings, but the first signing that you guys made was Messi Mount for 55 million pounds. What do you think it brings to the team and why do you think you guys made that signing? Mm, I think um, Messi Mount, for me, Messi Mount is a good signing. You know, when you look at his um, football, the way he plays at Chelsea, you know he's a good sign and for me because one he has the experience of the Champions League, he has been in the in, in the in the premiership, you know, someone who just went to buy from outside. Um, I think it's also it should be a competition for Bruno because Bruno needs that. Bruno needs a competition. So but where the, where the, the manager is playing right now is a different position. Yeah, I I know he's playing in a different position. Yeah, and we getting Sofia now, I'm about I think it will give him the more reasons to push him to where Bruno is, I know gives them that competition because I know Mount now having uh, Amrabat, you cannot bench Amrabat for Mount. It's not possible in that position. So you understand. So Mount is for me is a good sign. Just need to relax with him and calm down and let him deliver. Well, I um number one is an English player. To me, I feel he was overpriced, but it's the market reality mm-hmm. at the moment. Um. I think the choice of Mount is because he's um, a player that could play almost anywhere in front. You could deploy him to the right. You could deploy him to the left. He could play in the middle. He could play as a supporting striker. He can even strike. So he is a plus for the team. Is a plus for the team. And um, on a good day, on a good day, on a good missing Mount day, I think we have a match winner. We have someone that could, um, you know, control the game from start to finish on a very good day. So missing Mount signing is um, a good one. Good one. Okay, so that means you're trying to tell us now that the... Start has not been so nice for him. Yeah. So are we meant to now believe that it's just with time it's going to come good? Yeah. We hopefully with time where you don't just give birth and the baby starts crawling on the same day, you know. So hopefully with time you should be able to blend. And um, I think uh, maybe the Jesse number and the price tag is quite overwhelming for him at the moment, and he's not been able to. So that's the Jesse number seven. Yeah, number seven. So, uh, but with time you should be able to gain his confidence and show us what missing month does. Okay, so let's move on to the second signing. That was Andre Onana, a goalkeeper from Inter, Inter Milan. Why was there a need for a new goalkeeper? And why was there a need for a different profile of goalkeeper in Adriana? Because in goalkeepers, there's always a spectrum. You have people who are conservative, which David De Gea was one of them. And then you have people that are very extreme, which I don't think there's a more extreme goalkeeper in the world of football than Adriana. So... Why are you moving from a very conservative goalkeeper to Andrea Nana? Well, I um, think the shift came as a result of um, the fact that football is changing. Football is changing. David De Gea is a conventional goalkeeper. Just stay there when the ball comes in, save and all. But now the, the, the game needs um, keepers who could act as a player too. Keepers who could make assists. You will see that with the likes of Alisson and Anderson when they just lob up the ball and then Salah scores or whoever scores. So Manchester United also we also need a, a goalkeeper that could fit in those and that profile. And considering the fact that we have defenders who are good with their feet, I believe um, they need a keeper that could complement them. However, David De Gea has been making some blunders lately, and I feel a serious coach needs to just, you know, change him or give him a better competition than. So yeah. are you happy with the new Andriana? What does it bring to your team? I know you mentioned the likes of him being able to play with his feet, the likes of Alisson and Ederson. So apart from that, what do you think it brings into your team? Apart from that, that David De Gea did not bring. Well, anyone who has who watched him during the Champions League final will know that he's a kind of a upgrade. He's good with his hand, with his hands. He's good with his feet, and um, that means we have a more complete goalkeeper that is fit for the style we want to play. So. That's that's the plus. Yeah. Um the thing about on the Andrew Onana is this it fits perfectly into Tiang's pattern. And it's a, a, a player, a goalkeeper which Tiang has played with. You understand? So they know what they want from themselves. You know, uh, knows what he wants from Onana and Onana what what he would want from um Tiang. So it's just like you buying the missing piece, the missing piece to your puzzle. So you understand? So and the is a, is a good sign. And if you watch, if you have watched our um, previous three matches we played, you see that uh, in three matches he has been exceptional for us. He has, you know, he's trying, he's proving himself to be one of the 
proving that was a good sign for us. So and you know the last season, if you watch them uh, matches, you know going out, we fall out of the Champions League of the um, Europa League. League. It was one of the just wonders. If you watch the match, even yeah. when him and uh, Maguire was doing playing there, was stupid yeah. this thing. So it's just like like uh, someone said, it's an upgrade, a big, it, not just a, a big. I know we might Onana might not be as good as the J has when it comes to using his hands, but there's a difference. There's this you know kind of freedom he has. You know, we instead of play gives players that you know to the the, uh, the person on his ball. It's, you know, you, you said something one one time at his ball like he gives the ball. Like the, at the perfect pace at which the player does not need to stream, stress himself when he wants to control the ball, he just you know gives an ball at the right place and at the right time. So I think it's, it's really a massive upgrade for us. Okay, so, so speaking about the third signing, which is like the most expensive signing you guys have done uh, this window, Rasmus Oiland, a mm. young striker from Denmark for seventy plus million. Why Rasmus? Because a lot of people would have expected. Why not go for Barry Kane? Why Rasmus Oiland? Uh, that I came out. That I came out. That it would be. It would be. It would have been a hard deal for us to you know, to come through because we know that Tottenham is not. is kind of that kind of team that doesn't sell to you know Premiership clubs. But before they sell, you sweat. So Rasmus, I think I have people that call him Alan Two Point Two. You know they call him. <laughs> so, uh, but I feel like you know they are going him. That's just the, the most important thing out of all the transfers. When you you know when a coach wants a player, you know yeah, he will have seen some certain attributes about the player that he wants from the player, and if he fits in the pattern he wants to play, he goes for him. So I feel like the young wants him, and he you know he wants he look he looks at his pattern, he looks at it, what he does, he looks at the pattern of play, he looks like he's going to fit in what I want to do at Manchester United. So if the, the coach wants him, then it's a good sign for me. Well, um, I believe Ras Rasmus is um quick, he's skillful. And it fits the profile. To me, I see him as a Ferrari. And um, that is what we need. You know, by the time you look at our style of play, we have um, midfielders that could, you know, just give that final pass. And um, the wingers just, or whoever is in front, just need to run into it and then do what is necessary. And um, we don't need a sluggish um, striker. We need someone who is fast. We could see the effect we had when we had Adam Vegost. It was quite sluggish and, um, you know, it was drawing the back um, the pace. So we need someone who is forward-minded. And if you see this guy, this guy is like a cheetah. He runs very fast and all. And I believe um, by the time he works a little with um, Benny McCarthy, that's a striker coach, he's going yeah. to be more refined. And um, it fits the profile. Look at, um, just imagine the forward with um, Marcus, Ra Marcus Rashford, Rasmus, uh, Rasmus and um, Anthony in front. And everyone is just going that dynamic view. Ah. I think um, we are going to cause that, a lot that, of destruction. That, that Tony, where you call now? Eh? Um, <laughs> uh, that Tony, make, you see, they give the yellow thing. Just call that Tony. Call that, make, tell that make the pass. Because that one way the player is saying, "I only have for field. Make it the pass. We don't get striker now." Okay, so quickly, a question on Rasmus before we move forward. You mentioned the kind of profile, but some people will argue that Victor Osimhen also fits that kind of profile you guys are looking for. Why not? If you couldn't go for Hurricane, mm. why not Victor Osimhen? Osimhen is too expensive. Considering that um, Osimhen alone is about Manchester United budget for the transfer market. <laughs> so why go for Osimhen when you know you could get about four or five um, players? Osimhen would have been good. He's dogged, he's strong, he has good goal sense, and he's fast. But he comes at a very, very huge cost that Manchester United United cannot bear at the moment. And okay, so the next signing was also a goalkeeper. So shocking, a goalkeeper, Altai Bayede from Fenerbahce. Why another goalkeeper? Uh, I feel, I feel, I, I know. Let me not say I feel. I know it's, it's, it's a new goalkeeper will be needed. You know, seeing Anderson going. You know, okay. so we needed someone back for the backup. And again, we needed go, 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 another goalkeeper because Onana will be going for the African Cup. So we needed someone who's going to, you know. Be at the goal post, at the goal post. So do you think that guy has what it takes to be the number one, at least for a short period when Onana is on? Yeah, if Onana it, goes for the African Nations Cup, he should have what it takes. Even though if he doesn't have what it takes, they won't go. They won't sign him now. I should if for uh, Ten Hag to have um, <laughs> yeah, no. made him a principal signing, I think he has what it takes. Okay, so let's go to the short term deals and the loans. 
So Manchester United made two loans. So let's do quickly look at the loans and then we'll look at the short-term deal. One of the loans was Sergio Regulion. I know you guys have tried to sign him. He, he rejected Manchester United to go to Tottenham Hotspur, but now you've gotten him off of the back of the injury to Luke Shaw and Tyria Malasia. Are you excited about the new signing on loan, Sergio Regulion? Um, I'm supposed to be excited, but that is first rejection. You see, they pay me for body. You know, when Manchester United went for him, and you, as a player, you still say, no, you won't go to Tottenham. Which club, which club you won't go collect for Tottenham? I, I think at that point in time, it shows um, a lack of ambition. Yes. I don't think it's a fact. Maybe he felt he would play more under Morio at that moment. Okay. Morio was Manchester United. Yes, was mm. Don't you think it's like, I'll, if I go to Tottenham, I'll play more than if I go to Manchester United, where I have to compete with Luke Shaw? If, uh, yes, it's, it's, it's like I said, like Sam said, lack of ambition. If you have ambition, there's nothing that will need to make you to come to Manchester United and what, fight for your place with what? With uh, Luke Shaw. You understand? Even at Tottenham, is he playing? He's not playing now. So it was a bad move for him. I don't know. Maybe it was his agent that made the move for him. Or, or, but I, now you're forgiving him, sure. But I'm not, not yet. Until when, he plays when, when he starts, when he starts and, playing. And he's doing his job. So let's, let's move, move to the second loan move. Like the, that was like it's a low move, but it was like the noisiest the, the move the of the summer. You mention, so. Yes, of transfer that Manchester United made in the like in the name of Sofian Amrabat. BBB. So, what does it bring to the team, and why do you think the whole deal took so long? The guy is worth it. Let me just put that. That guy is worth it. You know, when you have a player, firstly, that is in love with your with the team he wants to play for, that he you know. Rejected everything that came for him and stood his ground that no matter what, what, come, what comes, even to the last, last day of the transfer, you and said, Yes, I'm going to play, I'm coming for to this team. So you have a happy player, first of all, and you have a player that is good. He's not just an average player. Sofian Hammerbat is a good player. We've seen it even at the World Cup and at Florentina. We've seen that it's a player that you know, and he has worked with um, them before. Um at um, at Utrecht. So it's just like that's my move of the, of the summer. That guy, you know, it's, it's just everything. Well, okay, so lastly, on the transfers, looking at a return to his boyhood club, Johnny Evans, on a short-term one-year deal. You know, why is he coming back? What does he bring to the team? Well, um, the signing of um, Johnny Evans was rather shocking, but I think it's a necessary evil. The, the Coach doesn't um, trust Ari Maguire hundred mm-hmm. percent, and um, if um, Johnny Evans is um, around, at least it could be a quick fix on a decent day. Johnny Evans is a, a decent player, and um, he makes some um, few mistakes. So if um, the the coach decided that you know he came for it just just to train, and the coach felt like oh, this guy is still he still got it, he's got the shape, he's He's got the energy and um, he understands the project. So the coach decided to bring him on board. So I believe that the coach finds him um, still very relevant. And that was why he, he, he signed him. It's a good signing for me, considering that there are times when we would need um, the experience to come in. And, uh, Another thing is this. I think Evans was a must sign because of that Maguire. Maguire go top bench this season. Oh, they actually didn't hear me. My God, brother was he must he's not a good, he must short bench. And you know, I think one thing about English, it is English media and English presses. These people they give Maguire, Southgate giving Maguire mind. They should not play. You see, they call out to your to your national side. How is it possible? Okay, so let's let's move to Maguire since we are already talking about Maguire. First of all, it's as if Manchester United treated Maguire unfairly in the sense of first of all, you strip him of the captaincy. And then you now decided to transfer him out. Now you're talking about them bringing Johnny Evans into the team. Do you think they're treating him unfairly? No, because um, I believe um, he is not good enough. Let's just put it that way. Ari Maguire is not Manchester United standard. For him being the club captain was um, a very huge mistake. And I think the club were just only trying to justify the amount amount they paid on him. I remember there was a time Marcos Rojo said... Um, he went to the coach that was um, so here and he told him that I, I believe I'm better than this guy. 
I should be playing all the time. Then he said the coach's reply was shocking because the coach told him that I can't put this guy on the bench because we bought him for 80 million pounds. Mm. So even I believe amongst the team, they all know that Ari Maguire is not fit or is not good for that profile. We have seen situations whereby David De Gea would see that Ari Maguire is the only person they could put a pass through and instead they will play the ball down to throw him. That's to tell you how bad and how confident or how they are not too confident about him. And the thing about football is um, you have a partner, you are not, com- com- uh, you are not confident on, uh, in him, uh, the confidence level is low then you yourself, you are not good. Most of um, the blunders are e-committed. You know, I, there was a time I joked that is the, less part, the left part of his brain is not functioning properly mm. because he keeps doing the same mistakes over and over and over. Ha, bros, you never see place where we say, player, they tackle a home player. <laughs> it, that is that worse. So, um, and I believe for him, the best thing for him was to have just moved, moved on. You are the coach has told you, okay, I'm sorry, I can't keep you as captain. And I believe it's a unanimous decision, even within the team, because we didn't hear any rancor about that. And also, um, you are falling down the pecking order. Last season, there was a time when they had to um bring Luke Shaw from left back to play at center back instead of Ari Maguire. So it's to tell you that the confidence is low and Ari Maguire is not a Manchester United standard. It would have been better to have gone back to clubs like Luton or Sheffield United. I even think West Ham is too big for him. He will wow. get there and he will rot on the pitch. Ari Maguire. Oh, God. Ah, we have suffered. <laughs> See, so I'm um, speaking on, okay. So speaking Ari, on... Ari Maguire. Ari Maguire. Ari Maguire. Let me, let me, let me start my comments. <laughs> so still on Ari Maguire. Why do you think he did not want to leave Manchester United? Because I think, as you said rightly, stripped of the captaincy, falling down the pecking order, is all indications should show that the club does not want you again. I think first, um, he maybe I should say maybe doesn't want to, you know, go somewhere else and fail again. You understand? Maybe that fear. It's like if I go to this club, like okay, now at Manchester United, we already know who he is, we already know the kind of player he is, we know that he commits error and this and that. But what if it's not like me just thinking like if I go to another club, won't I commit the same thing and still, you know, make fans over there hate me the same way these fans here yeah, hate me? Another thing is that he doesn't want his money, his salary, his wages to go to go down. He wants to receive the same wages, and it's not possible. Money. Okay, so there was a different viewpoint that was made by some Allardyce, if I'm not mistaken, about that he knows Ari Maguire's agent personally, and he knows the way the agent thinks that if Ari Maguire was to leave Manchester United, he has to move to a club of the same status, if not bigger, than Manchester United. So, and looking at it, maybe he didn't want to leave Manchester United because he wanted to go to the likes of the Real Madrid, the Barcelona, the Bayern München. What's your view about that? Ah, uh, wait, another time. <laughs> Maguire uh, won't go likes of Madrid. If you be, if you be Madrid, Madrid president, you go say Maguire. Ah, I don't have that. <laughs> Which big club won't say won't say Maguire? <laughs> but I think um, Maguire is still in Manchester United because um, we have a very lackadaisical management team. Yes. A management team that could keep Phil Jones for years, for years yeah. without playing uh, football. Then definitely Harry Maguire would um feel like okay come on I'm getting the two hundred thousand uh, pounds and paycheck every week why should I go elsewhere I could so much sit down on the bench and still be earning the same money look th- this guy it's just about the money for me it's about the yeah money. it's about the money it's and another thing is that like you said the management that they, they you know they sport they sport they are the ones that I think one of the the people that sport. Everything that's going on in Manchester United because you are signing player and we are giving them some absorb amount or absorb amount of money that even when they want to sign a new contract or go to another club, it would be a hard um, a hard thing for them for other clubs to sign them. Look at Maguire creating two hundred now, and you are another club wants to sign a deal of uh, thirty. My son, what someone was asking for a reduced pay, he said he cannot reduce his pay. Can you imagine? Which means you don't care as long as you're getting the money. You, you be play you know, if you don't play. Maybe Southgate has called him that. You just don't worry, just sit down there. If English England need to play, you could play. So speaking of Southgate, it's like shocking even to a lot of football fans in general, not just Manchester United fans, that the likes of Ben White do not make the England national team squad. Can you imagine? Despite playing regularly for 
Arsenal. But Adi Maguire has not played any game this season. And he makes it. So, what do you have to say about Southgate and his decision-making? What's the logic behind that? Selection? There's no logic behind this. I think the thing is this. The thing is, we all know that. Let's just be, let's be candid now. Let's forget about the errors and mistakes Maguire has done for Manchester United. We know that Maguire, whenever he comes to England, he performs. So, it is until still when... still makes mistakes. Yeah, it is until when he does something that cannot be forgotten for England. That's when I think Southgate would what? It is time. Before you push me out of my job, stay where you are. You know, if, if it was Nigeria, I would think Ari Maguire has a strong godfather. Mm-hmm. For him to still be playing for England. Well, what if Southgate is his godfather? Well, apparently, maybe that's why he's still playing. Uh-huh, so, you can't say. Okay, so, moving on to departures. Manchester United were able to release or sell some players. But the big name on that list is David De Gea, the winner of the clean sheet of last season, the Golden Globe of last season, keeping their heads clean sheets. But now he's without any club. He's a free agent at this moment we're recording. Why, why is that? Everybody would have expected that if David De Gea is going to leave Manchester United as a free agent, he should even spend up to like two weeks he should have gotten a new club. Why is he uh, still a free agent? He got a new club now. He's the one that didn't want to go. I think Saudi came for him now. No, Saudi is too. Looking at the status of David De Gea, you expect the likes of the Real Madrid, the Barcelona. You don't, sure, you don't know that as this era we would do now, eh? if you manage another third player, you don't get one bad woman for body. Manage another player, you won't come out. You don't get one bad woman for body. So for Saudi to even call yourself, say, you suppose you jump, say, okay, let me go there. Because you, you, I, I expected uh, Madrid to sign the year. Following the injury of Tiba Kotoa, I so I expected them, but I was even surprised they went to. Why do you think that that happened like that? You know, the thing is this if you buy a newspaper yesterday, <laughs> you see the newspaper. <laughs> if you buy a newspaper yesterday, um, as of today now, it's no longer a current newspaper. David Egea is no longer current, the way I see it. He's good, take nothing away, but you know, I said earlier that football has evolved. And coaches are now looking at goalkeepers that could act as player. David Degas has not been able to prove himself in that way. So, even considering the clean sheets he got last season was as a result of the defense, not entirely him. No, not the result, he, of, he well. result of Maguire not playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did well, but you know, it's a, a resultant effect of um, the defense, not actually solely on him. So, that's it. It's just so sorry that a legend. Would live just quietly like that, and yeah, um, yeah, at the yeah. moment is still unemployed. But yes, he should enjoy his honeymoon. Okay, so Manchester United now has a new captain. Harry Maguire has been in quote dethroned, and we now have a new captain, who is in person of Bruno Fernandez. Do you think that's the right decision to make Bruno Fernandez the captain? And what do you think he brings to that squad that maybe, for example, that someone like Harry Maguire did not bring? Even when Ari Maguire was on the pitch with the captain handband, Bruno was acting as captain. Bruno was more focal. He was more consistent. And um, he was everywhere. So I, I believe it's just a natural fit for Bruno to be captain, to be stepped up as captain. So there, okay, there have been reports about Bruno Fernandes. When you look at the likes of the reports that Sky Sport and all those big um, networks do, that Bruno seems to be a whiner always complaining or do you think such display affects the team negatively do you think it affects or it adds more fire to the belly of his teammates uh, um you know bruno let's just say it's part of him it's uh, it has become part of him so when he does it he he, he thinks he's doing the normal thing which is not right bruno was captain of sports uh sporting before we him so he does it there too you understand? So I think is that's the only thing I think that disqualifies him from being a captain. That's the only thing. So giving the captain to Bruno was a good choice because Bruno even had, he has that uh, you know zeal, the everything that you need in the captain, the quality and stuff like that. So the that winner, that winner is tells you that you, I just don't know. I don't know where he just needs to control himself because when he's on the pitch, you know, when you play football, you, football is a kind of a game of emotions. I, he, I think he lets the, his emotion run through him. 
take over him sometimes. So I just feel like he needs to control him and Tiago needs to do more of the talking to him every time. Because it shows on the pitch. Most of the players look at if there sometimes he does that thing and players look at him and even less the morale of the players down. Because you are the captain, you are supposed to be the one who's bringing them morale up, not just bringing it, not bringing it down. So I think he needs to change that attitude of his. So he has come under a lot of that's talking about Bruno Fernandez, Lombardo Fernandez. He has come under a lot of criticism from even Manchester United legends. Do you think that the legends are putting too much? Because we see other clubs, as football fans, we see other clubs being most clubs the legends of those clubs are always kind of like quiet or even when they want to talk they're kind of like easy on the players but Manchester United legends for example the likes of Roy Keane, Gary Neville they are always so hard on the players do you think that kind of criticism do you think it improves the players or do you think it affects them you mentioned two names and um coincidentally they were former captains um, I believe um, the criticism is um, is good. Um, as Bruno himself, he can't see some of his mistakes. He needs people to point it out to him. However, I believe the legends are um, a bit too harsh on him in the sense that um, everything he does, almost every negative thing he does, they, they, they tend to forget that they did worse as a player. Look at um, Roy Keane, for instance. You know how many times Roy Keane chopped red card just because of this um, is um at uh, 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 stubbornness. His age. All the times where they fight with them, Patrick Vieira. And yes, like, so they forgotten that they did that in those days. And um this is Bruno, this is his own cup. So they should just allow him drink drink from his cup. Okay, so still on the legends and their expectations. Now, there's a popular thing now in the Premier League. Before in the previous years, you had Premier League, you could only go to Maybe top two teams, either one of the two teams win the Premier League. A time came where it became top four. But now we're looking at top six, even top eight. The likes of Newcastle, Brighton are showing themselves. Do you think it's too, like, is it, you think it's a dream for Manchester United fans and even the legends to still have this kind of grandiose idea that the Premier League is ours to win? Do you think, is that, is, do you think that is still realistic to expect that every season? Manchester United should win the league. Yeah, it is realistic for our history, you know. It is, but we've gone back. We've gone backwards in, in years back, you know, due to our performances. And we as as fans, we just you know we just have the hope that we're going to get back to on our feet to where we belong. But there are things that are not done right. If you are in the process to be back on your feet, you do things right. You take the steps that you are supposed to take. Not that you take one forward and you take two backwards. That's what we are doing. Right, like we're taking one for one, one step forward and taking two backwards. We do the right thing at the right time. You know, you get the right players, you get the right manager, you get the right management, you get the right uh, sporting director. Imagine my dressing United should not have a sporting director. Should you understand? So it's just like that. And you get people that know about the job, not just you just want to put anybody because you want to put them on payroll or because there are some former players, you know, you just don't put them on anything. That's the way it should be done. A club should be run well. Look at Man City, everything is, is in place. Everything is in place. That's why they are doing so well. They get the players they want. They do everything is just okay. Because if you do that, then you are on the right path. You have a manager in the hag who has the pattern, who knows what he wants, and tells you that this is this, this is this, this is that. And you are telling him that there's no money due to you know the things that you people have done in the past. Do you understand? So I feel like it's it's not a it's a dream that can still come true for us, you know, because we are we've been there and we can still go there back. Well, um, I wouldn't blame the legends for applying pressure. They played under one of um, the most successful coach of all time. So Alex Ferguson is someone who is never satisfied with yesterday's success. He wants to succeed every day on a daily basis. So they have it in them, in their DNA, that this is Manchester United. Everything you do has to be a statement. You would see Roy Keane, he would tell you, even on a bad day, you shouldn't be, be the one behind when it comes to tackle he will tell you kick someone run into someone you know stuff like that so it's it's what they have instilled and i think what that's what is lacking with um the players that we have besides all the ones all the ones that um Afeli just said about the management some of the players have not really tasted success in that way and um the the drive to achieve success the hunger for success is not really there because if um that drive was there i i believe it's going to spoil us better to um so do you think the coup 
the coach, the manager, Terhag, and the current group of players, do you think they can withstand and succeed under that kind of pressure? Yes, they can. They they were able to cope fine last season. We we won the Carabao uh, Cup, and um, we were in the um, FA Cup final too, which um, we sadly lost to Manchester City. I believe that um, that was an experience, and considering that we also have a coach that doesn't like to lose, I believe that um, they will be able to cope. They will be able to turn that disappointment into motivation to help them win um, other laurels this season. However, when we consider those laurels, I don't think um, Premier League is involved. You should still go for the Carabao Cup and uh, maybe the FA Cup this season, if possible. Okay, so speaking about expectations and demands, let's review. This is the second year of Eric Tehag at Manchester United. First year, as you mentioned, won the Carabao Cup, got to the FA Cup final, got to the quarterfinals of Europa. the Europa League. What What is your expectation as a Manchester United fan on Tehag's second season with you guys? Um, my expectation to be sincere. I want a cup. That's the least. Uh, at least I want a cup. But I want it to be the Alpha Cup. I don't want the Carabao this, this time. And I want to see players playing together. I want to see good football. I want to see pattern. I want to see Ten Hag impact his pattern on the players. You understand what I'm saying? Let this year be like, let it be the year whereby even if we don't get somewhere, next year you feel like this is a step to something. You understand? So, like, that's what I want to see from Tehag. I want to see his pattern back into the team. I want to see the players playing for the love of shirts, your jersey. So that's what I feel like I want from them. I, I expect this season to be an upgrade from last season. And um, we've actually seen a flash. Look at the game against um, Nottingham Forest. We were two goals down. Last season, Manchester United, we just caught two and then lock up start playing rubbish. But this season, after they scored the equalizer, they still pushed forward to get the winning goal. And um, so I believe that this time around, they to understand that success is only measured by the games that you win, not the games that you draw. So I, I, I expect that this season, at least, even if we don't win trophies, we should be able to compete. Not go out in the group stage in the Champions League. Not, um, at least get to the final of the FA Cup if we, if we won't win. At least Manchester United should be in almost all the finals or all, all the, the, the games we'll be playing this season. Okay, so still on Eric Hag, second season, done good signings. But there's always been an undertone about most of the signings he has done in Manchester United that they happen to be players, most or most of them, players that he has worked with. Do you think that's a good thing that he's always bringing players that he knows, not looking at what the recruitment team is offering him? Maybe those players that equipment offers him might even be better than the ones. But it's just sticking to, for most of them, sticking to, I've used this player. For example, to just name names the likes of Lissandro Martinez, Anthony, Onana, you know, even Amrabat. Time Malasha is a player he knows. He knows. Amrabat he has worked with. So do you think, is, it, is that a good thing? Uh, this is, this first of all, we're talking about Manchester United here. In the sense that, what I'm making that statement is this. Recruitment team. That's the recruitment team as, you know, has brought us behind far too long. Far too long. You know, he, he, I think he, he, it was part of his... Uh, he made this point, which was very viral. That time, the time we wanted to sign for Manchester United. He said he's going to take charge of the transfer and he'll get the 100% you know, control of the transfers and stuff like that. And another thing is this. There's this popular thing that says that uh, the devil you know is rather than the agent you don't know. So I think that's what Tiang is working with. You know, he, he, he brings in the players which will... You know, he knows, has gone through him, you know, has, has, has played his pattern and can still input his pattern on the pitch of play. So I feel I feel like that's the thing that he's doing and the thing is going to work for him. I just feel like we should just give him some time this season and he, he will show up. So st- still on Eric Tehag, new midfield for the first two games of the season. Because we know the third game of the season, there was kind of like a, a mix-up due to injury. Or if possibly, maybe if Mason Mount wasn't injured, he might still have, there was a tendency that he could have retained that midfield. Why do you think the midfield is falling apart? Why do you think things are not working together on that midfield part? Um, I um, The way I look at it, I believe um, it, the midfield in those two games, they were not the right mix. They were not the right mix in the sense that if you look at it, um, Casemiro is still not there yet. I think um, he's gone too fat and um, quite sluggish, but I know it will get better. 
And um, if you look at Bruno and um, Missing Mount, they have not been able to strike that connection between each other. And that sort of um, pulls the, the team down. And you see the two of them, when they are in front, it's only Casemiro to track back. And that makes it um, difficult. So I believe um, the, the, the bulk work is with um, Ten Hag in the sense that he should be able to get the right mix and he should be able to make those players strike that connection so that, you know, during Alex Ferguson time, there are times when he has a, a midfield pair. You know, this game, if you use these two people, they gel. And then in the next game again, he tries another two and they gel. So he should be able to identify that which player works best with which player and, um, you know, introduce them into, into the team. When he's able to do that, I think Manchester United is going to cause a lot of havoc because of, we have Eriksen, who is a good passer of the ball. We have Bruno Fernandes, who is a machine. And um, we have Mason Mount, who is quick and intelligent. We also have Casemiro, who can read the ball. We have Amrabat, who is more like a destroyer. So he just needs to understand the, the right fit, who goes with who. And then when he's able to do that, the, the midfield is going to be dynamic. Okay, so uh, let's talk about... The Manchester United player of the year last season, which is in person of Marcus Rashford, had a very good season last season, uh, scored goals, could have even scored more. What are your expectations for him this season? And do you think he can rise up to that elite uh, level in terms of goal scoring, in terms of assists, in terms of being a constant threat? And even in terms of even, because at some point after the World Cup, it was on a level where you could even compare him to the level of like, even been among the nominees, top nominees for the Ballon d'Or. So do you think he can attain that level on a consistent basis? Yeah, if he's consistent. You know, that's the problem I have with English English players. You know, they like they have firstly the hype is much for them. And secondly, I feel Marcus Rashford, he, he needs to sit himself down, you know, talk to himself. Maybe someone call him and talk to him. Because judging by if I'm to judge by the by the three matches we played, you know. The, the 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 he's not been to his best yet. He, he's not to his best yet. We haven't seen like twenty percent of the Rashford we saw last season, judging by the three games three games we've played. And I feel like he can do more, but I don't know. Maybe he feels like he's you know uh, I'm the boss of the team now. And um, I did this last season. I did that last season. And I uh, without the team without me the team can't do this. So I feel that I, I think maybe he shouldn't let that get into his head. And he he should move forward. He should he should try to improve. You know that's that's the thing about early players. Players with great mentality. When you do better this season, you want to do much more than what you did last season. So I expect that for him. He he has even got to an extent where by Rashford now he doesn't like he doesn't care about the ball now. If the, the ball, if you pass or arm, if you know which arm, as long as the, the, the ball don't come to your feet. So you understand what I'm saying? So I think he should just try to do more. The work rate, let him put more energy in his ball and put more zeal. Because I feel like he's a, he's a great player. I I don't think um, Marcos Rashford will reach that same level this season. Why? Um, last season, we saw that um, during the season break, he was working. You would see him at the gym, you see him training, you see him pair training with people, with coaches and all. Then we knew he was ready for the new season. But this season, during the break, you would see him at the party in Paris, see him at the beach in America, see him um, with some celebrities here and there. So I believe he is not serious for that season. And like you said, great players will always want to surpass what they've done last season. For Rashford, I think he was satisfied with what he did last season. And he sees like he is he sees himself as king. So he, he has not put in too much energy into this season in terms of preparation. Then one could say probably because he has been playing out of position. I don't see him as a striker. I see him as someone whom you give the freedom to cut him from the left or from the right, and then he will he would cause some havoc. So this season I I have not seen that seriousness in him because um, the way he started the season, he started on a funky level and um, it's going to affect him. Okay, so moving on to another academic graduate. Rashford had a wonderful season last season, but this academic graduate has now left the club on loan in person of Mason Greenwood. We, we all have an idea of the court case and how everything transpired. Do you think there's a chance that maybe he might be able to return back to Manchester United and do you think, and what's your what's your view about the whole court case and how the whole issue transpired? Uh, 
yeah, I, I, firstly, I I feel sorry for him because it's he's a young ta- talent, the kind of talent that is rare to come by. You know, for you to have a player who's at that age who uses double, double feet, you know, both feet, and as that, you know, that kind of brain for as at that young age, you know, someone can play. Um, is a forward, is a, a winger, you know. So I feel like I've, um, the thing, the thing about the case is not there's something that's not still straightforward about the case. I don't know because if I know if if you are innocent truly, really, there's no need for you to for the case to just cancel the case. I feel like they should the innocence, the innocence, I mean the evidence should be brought forth to the public to see. You know, if you are that's truly really if you are what you are, are innocent. And I feel like Manchester United don't want to let go of Greenwood, you know, yet. It's just because of the public um, and, um, noise and everything. They're just trying to, you know, maybe let it cool down, you know, by letting it go to get Getafe on loan. So even in going to get Getafe on loan, Manchester United is paying much, much percentage of his salary. And I, I, I had a report that they, are, they weren't paying for, uh, what's it called? Apartment, apartments, you know, $8,000 yeah. per, per month. And even got him a translator. So, you know, they, they, know, they know that he's a good talent. But the thing for me is this. They should just let the case, you know, let it be open to everybody. Let us know what went wrong. Let us know what really happened about the case. Is the girl lying? Is Greenwood really guilty or innocent? Don't let. It's not like the, the court will just tell me that uh, we are going to we have cancelled the case. The, the case is out of court. And something like that. Bring out his evidence. Let him do it like a TV show or something. Question him. Ask him questions and let everybody know. I think then if there will be calmness within the public, like okay, this is this is. I even heard another another report that there's someone maybe one of these uh, activists that was even on uh, the toughest uh, issue too on the toughest neck. They said they say why you could bring person the beat woman come out close. Why could do this on this one? So you understand. So let them be this thing. Even person they prove innocent self is still a gay issue. So you understand. Well, um, I I to me, I see the whole court case as um as a chariot. What would have um, been um, come to the situation is like you said, assuming there was a judgment, and then they said, "Oh, he's not guilty," or there is a video where the lady comes out and says, "Okay, I lied. I was hungry. I felt cheated. This, this, this. All those things you saw were makeup or whatever." And then you know, at least people will be able to understand with you what has happened. On the part of Manchester United, um, they see Greenwood as um, someone who is a potential world best footballer. And um, you will see that they are very, very reluctant to let him go. If they want to let him go, they will just just have um, terminated his contract, pay compensation and and just there. But, you know, looking at the statement of um, the chief executive, he was saying that he believes that Rashford was not guilty. Greenwood. Yeah, Yeah, Greenwood was not guilty, sorry, rather. And... um, uh, it, you would know that there is a kind of a power play. Our sponsors, the foundations, and then the the bad publicity about the issue, and they just needed a scapegoat. Um, to me, I I still see him playing for Manchester United if the Qataris buy the club, because they will tell you they don't care. Whatever happened, that's that's the end. They understand that when Fly Emirates brings a contract, is more than whatever. Um, all those foundation will bring so they, they become expendable at that point in time. So I I just don't like the way Manchester United handled the issue. You said you did an investigation since February, and then you are coming to tell us in August that sadly you have to party with the guy. Then you have flawed the whole investigation. You didn't undo it well, and they were not being sincere to the public. You should be able to carry everybody along. With the way the the whole process, okay, we've met with this woman, we've met with this. Let him even do a live interview. Let him do an interview. Let there be a statement. Let let's bring up both parties here. Okay, what happened? Because the last we had, he, he got later got married to the lady. They have a kid, and um. So what is I the issue? I don't know what transpired exactly. What what really transpired at that point? We should be able to know. Then people will be able to say, oh. But I believe in Greenwood. I felt sorry for him. And I, I believe that if we could manage that guy very well, that guy is someone that will bring back the glory days to Manchester United, just like Cristiano Ronaldo did. Okay, so um, now back to the team. Let's quickly talk about the team. Um, you've done a lot of transfers in and out. The likes of Fred, De Gea has left. The likes of Amrabat, Oiland have been brought in. What are the strengths that you think the team possesses at the moment and where do you think there are still weaknesses? Uh, the strength of the team 
for me, right now is the back line. I feel the midfield and the back line because I've not, yeah, it should take a midfield uh, after all the old signings. Yeah, I, 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 I have my reason because I feel like the front line would take time to gel because they played uh, Rashford and Anthony played the striker last season. And even even when Wegos was, you know, in the pitch of play, they didn't play with him. They, you understand? They didn't play with him. You have a good header of the ball. And if you watched throughout last season, I'm not sure they gave him like even crosses like that was something like five. He throughout the whole season time he played. So I'm going to say the midfield because the midfield, you have players in the midfield. The midfield are the players that can determine the outcome of games in the midfield. You have the likes of, you know, you have now that we even have my bats in, in, in the midfield. So I feel like the midfield is, is the strength now. Now, but, but for me, the defense, I feel like we should have bought a center back. But thank God, thank God we, had, we have uh, Evans now, which I don't say we can rely on yet. But because we have Barbin who is injury prone and we have Maguire who is not going to play, I'm sure. So, <laughs> I so I just feel like we should have bought a center back because Ramen for me is not it's not reliable yet. It's not reliable, you understand? So and nah, let's, let's, I'm gonna go with it. I'm stick with the midfield, but the, the weakness we have right now, the weakness of the team right now, like I said, I've said the mm, mm, I don't know. The weakness is not yet, it's not much, but we'll just stick with the forward because it will take them like a long process before they can be able to play with this, so you know, the forward. Where, where are the strengths? Where do you think the, the team is at the strongest? Midfield. The goalkeeper position. No. You don't mention that. The midfield. The midfield is yeah. the strongest. Strongest. So yeah. The weakest is the defense. Yeah, the forward. The forward line. Okay. Uh, I think um our strength is our weakness, the midfield. Um, why I said that is because over the last three games, the coach has not been able to find the right mix in that midfield. And um, you would see that teams that win. They don't play with their midfield. Their midfield are always consistent. That is the engine that drives the team. So, in a way, if you are playing um, players like um, you are playing Bruno, you are playing Ericsson, and you are playing Mount in the midfield, you are going to suffer. If you are playing Bruno, Casimiro, and maybe Mount, you know you have a plus when you go forward and a little cover when you come come back. And uh, you know, and you are playing Casimiro, Amrabat, and maybe. Um, any one of um, Bruno or you would know that on that day, you won't be able to control the midfield very well. So the coach needs to understand, okay, what he wants, look at the taxes of the opponent and be able to get the right mix of um, players in the midfield. For the strength, I think um, in a little while, the attack would be the strength. Now, let me paint an instance. When Oligon Asuja came, our midfield was zero, our defense was zero. But the attack had potential. Each time they go to the front, there was havoc. And knowing that we have players who are super fast in front, that should be a weapon. And um, the, on a day when you see that the players, the team is not implementing your, your kind of style, you should be able to switch and say, okay, we want to play counter-attacking football. So you know that when Rashford gets the ball, it starts running, and then Rasmus, Rasmus runs with him, and um, Antonio, whoever is there, run, and the three of them, if they could... Um, uh, be able to do something, they will be able to create havoc. But then the, the striking um, department still needs a lot of polishing because um, we'll notice that the being of Manchester United last season was not that we were not creating chances. We were creating chances, but we were not scoring goals. So if we are able to score goals this season, then definitely the, the players up front will be our plus. But my concern is just the midfield. The defense is, is okay. If you have a strong midfield, you, you won't have a problem with the defense. Look at Manchester City. They have a good midfield that they really lose the ball. And if you have a midfield that really lose the ball, then definitely your defense will have little or no work to do. So that's that's the way I see it. Okay, so um, we're about to, um, rounding up. But as a tradition of fans, now we usually ask, Going into this season, because now the window is short, you've done your business, you know the players you have for the remainder of the season up until the winter transfer window. Who do you think is that player, individually now, who do you think is that player to watch? That this is the player I want to watch, this is the player I expect good things from this season. Ah, for me, I'll choose Mr. Mount. Yeah, Mr. Mount. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. That move suits me. The day they announced that move, I don't know why. I don't know why. Just because I feel like I watched when I watched them at Chelsea, I feel like 
he made me fall in love with him while he was in Chelsea. So I want him to bring that vibe, that same vibe to Manchester United. So I just want to look out for him too. Well, um, well, Mr. Mount, like you said, was good, but I want to look at the striker, Hoyland. Um, you know, for a while, Manchester United have been deprived of um, having good strikers. Manchester United is a club that have top-notch strikers. We had Andy Cole, we had Sojia coming from the bench, we had Ruth Van Nistelrooy, we had Louis Saha on a good day who scored Dimitar Babatov, Devez and the likes, Rooney. So I, I want us to um, also have um, a striker that would be, uh, you know, catch their attention, will be always be there every week, week in, week out, banging in the goals, just like we have um, Ellen Haaland doing in um, Man City. So to round up, uh, what are your season expectations? Because let's, let's for take, for example, I know you guys have mentioned that the Cup. Do you see yourself winning the Premier League this season or the Champions League? Yes, I see myself winning the Premiership this season. Yeah, I, my, my expectation is that high. You know, because I feel like Man City, ah, Man City, we want to do it again, but we no go agree. <laughs> you know, we, are, we, are, we no go agree. And Liverpool, safe. You know, they like they'll be like teams will be like you know in line with each other. And they will not, I'm, 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 I'm having this feeling like most teams don't want to put their minds on Manchester United. Like last season, whereby most teams put their minds on Arsenal. So I feel like they'll be like Manchester United. No, no, no. So that like that that will give us like that you know shaky this and that. Okay. Yeah. That they are, we've written them off. Can be the dark horse. Yeah, we can be the dark horse. So I feel like we can go on to win the Premiership. But I'm not saying that one too far. Ah, My, I don't think we can win the Premier League. Why? We are, have not seen that um, flash of consistency. Uh, we lose against small teams. Even at times, big teams, we are shambolic. So um, until we are able to prove that, look at Manchester City when they played Newcastle, they were able to nick a goal, and that was it. You know. On a very difficult day, you should be able to grind out that result. If we can do that, well, fine, we'll fly high. But I think we'll be able to fight for the second place in the Premier League this season. And pending next season, when we'll do some other signing, I think we'll be able to win the Premier League. But this season, I see us going for second. And um, I see us, um, if we have good draws, let me put it that way, we should be able to um, compete at the FA Cup level. My expectation is let's win the FA Cup this season. Enough of the Carabao Cup. So I yeah, but the the two domestic cups I think we'll be able to go far, but the Champions League we might be some kind of a surprise. Probably get to the quarter final. If we get to the quarter final, I would be satisfied because I know when it comes to competing with some teams, some things are still far better than we are. But you never can tell. This is Manchester United. If we could get that consistency like we had last season before Liverpool walloped us, I think we'll fly high. But I'm not expecting the Premier League. Okay, so it has been a nice time with you guys. Thank you, Afele. Thank you, Samuel. You are yeah. um, wish you a good season, a new good season, and like you, your expectations be met. Um, yeah. So it has been a nice time. So thank you, our viewers, for listening to us. And up until the next time we come together to discuss on Fans Corner. So keep liking us, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, and also do good to subscribe to all our audio platforms spotify apple podcast and google podcast thank you very much and see you next time